So Archie meets up with Frank at the White Worm, and he says, Don't worry, I'll pay for it. Here is my Chime card. My card from Chime. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I, the, keeping this show on the air is hysterical. Yeah. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode was going to be, um, like, if you were a ghost, where would you haunt? Yes. And then we all talked about it. Yes. And we said, and all of us wanted to say Disney World, predictably. Um, yes. And so <clears throat> we changed it. To which Disney ride would you haunt in particular? Since yes. all of us were going to choose Disney anyway. Yeah. So it's still relevant. I mean, like, I want to have fun yeah. in the afterlife, you yeah. know? So I'm going to be in Haunted Mansion. I'm going to be an actual ghost in Haunted Mansion. I'm going to be probably very lonely because everyone else is a fake ghost. No, they're real ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be in, like, the ballroom scene and the graveyard scene and the scene where uh, somebody sits, like, one of the ghosts sit in between you. I don't think you would be bored because we would also be in the parks and we can all come visit each other. Yeah, like, it would be our house and then, like, yeah, we go and it's like, hey, would you like to come have dinner at mine? And then you come over and we just scare people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, so you wouldn't be lonely. Yeah. You would have us. Oh, Fink Toss nice. Aw. Aw, flying ship. Hey, would we, if, if we were ghosts, would we have to take the buses? Probably be more convenient, right? Oh, for some reason I thought, I mean, you're right, because I know what you're going to choose, uh, which is not in Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And I was like, for some reason I was thinking, okay, well, we'll all be in Magic Kingdom. But we, but wouldn't, we be. wouldn't be. No. So I don't know. I think we'd take the buses. Because then we can have fun haunting the buses, too. Yeah, like even sit on top of the buses or something. Yeah. I feel like um, Space Mountain would be another cool, fun one to be to uh, haunt. Correct. Because it's also dark and spooky. That's very true. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can find attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, Sam picked Tower of Terror. I also would pick Tower of Terror because I love that ride. But it makes I'm, sense that you guys would, I was going to say that you guys would live together, but um, you'd be dead, so. We'd be haunting together. Yeah, I told her that the criteria for this was that wherever we picked, we had to both want to be at because um, we'd obviously be spending our after lives together as well. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely want to be in Tower of Terror, but I'd also pro probably go for a roller coaster too. Mm -hmm. Like Space Mountain, I've always been a sucker for Aerosmith. I was going to say Aerosmith too, if you're going to be right there. I think that the part of Aerosmith that would be really fun to haunt would be like the part where they're, you know, obviously inside of the thing. Yeah. And it's all like neon glow-in-the-dark stuff. <gasps> and you'd be like, wah! Wait, but what about in the pre-show when they all come out, like, in the video? Yeah, and you just pretend to be and, an extra. And yeah. Like, and you're like, uh-huh. And you're just, like, one more person in the video. And they're like, which band member is that? Why do they look so weird? And you're like, <laughs> I was saying to Sam earlier that, um, like, she would be in, like, the elevator scene in the Tower of Terror. And then everybody's, like, getting electrocuted. electrocuted and all of the, like, Disney fanatics are going to be like, that that ghost wasn't there before. What? And so, like, they're going to be like, that's not a member of Aerosmith, huh? Exactly. And then it would be a legend. You gotta mess with make, the Disney adults. People would make YouTube videos about it. Ex <gasps> yes. 
Yeah. The legend of the real haunted mansion ghost. Uh-huh. Or the real Tower of Terror ghost. Yeah. I'm down for this. Let's do this, guys. Yeah. And when then we- they'd be like, she, they're probably like an evil ghost to whatever. And then like when they eventually find out. Because if I'm a ghost, I'm fully willing to just be like, hey, ghosts are real. Because I've been new and I think so. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, they, so they'd be like, oh, ghosts are you? They bring in a spirit box. And the ghost, they'd be like, ghost, are you here with us? And I'd be like, yep. Be like, hey, be like, queen. They'd be like, please, what is your name? And you're like, my name's Brittany. <laughs> they're like, oh, so you're, you're like, not like an older ghost. No, no, I was born in 1989. I'm a millennial. Yeah, my mom named me Brittany after a soap opera character. Mm-hmm. My mom named me Robin after her husband. That's cuter. Who was my dad. You know what's super well, cute, though? Well, he's still my dad. Yeah, he's still her yeah, husband. He, he's, he's still your dad. So today we have words to say about episode 615 of Riverdale, things that go bump in the night. Which is not necessarily a, um, a reference to any film or anything in particular. How uh, do they just, choose? What's that? How do they choose? Um, I think that they probably either mm-hmm. they suggest them ahead of time and then they write episodes based on the title... Or they write the episodes and then decide on a title. Yeah, it's probably that one. Yeah. Yeah. But it just refers to a specific phrase used to describe anything unknown that might be frightening, especially a noise or a ghost apparition. We do, in fact, get ghost apparitions this episode. God, this show should have leaned into its supernatural, like, elements way before now. It's so much more fun now. Yeah. It's off the wall, but not in, um, a weird way, but Mm -hmm. in a fun way. Yeah. As for thoughts from listeners, Blanche messaged me on Discord and- Yeah, um, and I had said, like, oh, it's weird that Jughead says that he got all of his comics from Toledo because he doesn't even live in Toledo and has never lived in Toledo, as far as I understand. Yeah, he just keeps his stuff there, right? Um, and so Blanche had a headcanon about that. Okay. Um, my headcanon about Toledo. Uh, I'm choosing to believe that Juggy has been spending summers and holidays there for the past seven years because that's what would make my heart happy. And I'm like, yeah, that, oh, and that would make more sense because- I like that. That would make sense that his stuff is there then because- they, they just have throwaway lines that make no sense, you know what I mean? Well, especially because, like, if Jughead was going to keep stuff anywhere, it would have probably been close by at his dad's girlfriend's or Archie's house. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we also got an anonymous message on Tumblr. Oh my god, oh, I'm scared. Um, so if anyone wants to send us something anonymously, that's where you do it. But they said, hi, just started listening to your last podcast, which was the last podcast that we just did. Um, and I just have to say one thing. Betty was drunk when she first confronted her mom, which is fair. And I did mention that. Yes. Um, it was after coming back from the white worm with Veronica. That's why she was so abrasive. The pacing is weird on this show. So it didn't like fall in line. So it wasn't super clear. Um, that's it. Love your podcast. Bye. Also, I love Betty. Please give her a break. Her parents are Alice and Hal. Okay, that's totally fair. And yeah. we did talk last week that, um, we were, like, really angry at Betty until mm-hmm. we were like, okay, but this isn't Betty's fault. Yeah, it's, it's not Betty that fault. I'm mad at. It's, it's the, the writers writer. for, like... Yeah. Honestly, the thing that now that I've, like, sat and thought about it, I'm like, okay, fine, Alice is a villain, whatever. It's that they're doing the same crap again. Yeah. There's, like, supernatural stuff going on right now, and Betty's biggest villain is Alice still? Yeah. I don't know. It feels stupid, but whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that um, both of them have points at different times. Like, especially, you know, Alice has a big speech in this episode where she's really, like, mean to Betty. She, oh, yeah. And part of me, like, there are a few things that she says where I'm just like, that was too far. Yeah. But there are also a few things that she says that I'm like, that's kind of fair. Yeah. You know, and sometimes the things that Betty said, even last episode, I'm like, that's kind of fair. Like, oh, yeah. You know, they're being mean to each other, and I don't agree with everything they're saying, but there are some things where they're making points that 
our points. I think know? it's the lack of consistency in mm-hmm. the messaging of their relationship that probably throws us off every yeah. single time. Yeah. So yeah, but thanks for your message. Um, uh, feel free if you guys want to send us anonymous things. Um, be nice. Uh, not that that person wasn't nice. They were. That person was great. They, um, uh, they had very constructive criticism. Yeah. I completely appreciated. Yeah. Um, and you're right. You're completely right. Betty yeah. was drunk. She was blasted. But I mean, you know, in that instance, you're a full adult, Betty, and maybe don't yell at people when you're drunk if you know. You know what I mean? Mm, I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. But also, if you just found out some really horrifying yeah. things about your life, you'd probably want to yell about it. Yeah. Which I think maybe I didn't make as clear last episode because um, I did not have that perspective yet. Yeah. So we're going to do Tudor Boot next. I have a completely new... I have a new lease on the past three episodes, because I know that we we butted heads a little bit about whether they we were toots, really did. toots or boots for the past couple episodes. Or newts, which or I newts. think were, looking back, maybe they were both newts. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, to remind everybody, toot is good, boot is bad, newt is just in the middle. Scoot, okay. get the hell out of here, worst episode ever. Shoot means it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so, the Midnight Club. It's the Midnight Club. Um, okay, so... For the past three episodes, I have more, some new perspective having seen this episode. Okay. I would like to give the Ex Libris episode a toot. I enjoyed it a lot. I would like to give last episode, Venomous, a boot. Even though I liked the last five five minutes, the Alice and Betty stuff really soured it for me. And I was really upset about that. Uh, I would give it a boot because of how stupid the Veronica storyline is. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to give this episode a solid newt. And that is because I don't care about what's any, anything that's happening. I think that's fair. I, I can't, I can't say I don't care about anything that's happening, but it really felt like not a lot. Well, remember, our barometer is whether or not we were entertained by it. And we weren't really, like, usually when we watch Riverdale, if Robin is really excited about something, she will hoot and holler at a level only dogs can hear. And that has not happened the last couple episodes, except for when someone was eating Doritos. Mm-hmm. Who was eating Doritos? Who was uh, Veronica was eating popcorn. Pop. Oh, smart food popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode, um, you know, as soon as it ended, I forgot what happened. Yes. Until I started doing my notes again, because yes. none of it, you know, it felt like the Tabitha and Archie storyline with the Pops thing. We were just doing the same thing over and over again. The stuff is out. The stuff is in. The stuff is out. The stuff is in. The stuff is out. The stuff is in. You it know, and I'm the, just like, It okay. was the same crap over and yeah. over and over again. So. I would say that... We are in the filler episodes. Yes. Um, which is basically every season, if you're new here, uh, we've, and I'm sure you've figured this out too, but, um, the writers don't know what to do with the amount of episodes that they're given. So they just kind of write a bunch of filler episodes to try and drag stuff out until they get to wrap up the actual arc of the season towards the end of the season. Which is so why we're just in a stretch of dumb, yeah. dumbassery right Which now. Which is why Rivervale happened, too, because then they were able to have their five episodes, and then they only have to fill, they have to fill less episodes yeah. with the actual storyline. Yeah. Um, but I think we're gonna go in. Uh, we were able to sort of um, do a, um, a storylines this episode. We took out the Cheryl and Heather uh, storyline, and we took out the Veronica and Jughead storyline, and then we did everything else chronologically because yeah. they intersected a little bit too much. Uh, things that you need to know about this episode, uh, Heather is officially a which she told Cheryl, Cheryl, and she's going to, like, teach Cheryl witchy things. Mm-hmm. Jughead has now learned how to erase parts of people's minds and took out the memory from Reggie's head that Veronica killed or, like, had Hiram murdered. 
I know that man's not dead. So Reggie doesn't know that anymore. Pops has now been relocated from where Pops usually is into the El Royale. I'm like, did they lose their, like, like I know. set square footage? Like, if we actually lose that set, I'm gonna be really sad. That set is so beautiful and nostalgic to me, you know? I think it's gonna be so funny if that's just, like, in the El Royale now. Yeah, just, like, like forever. whoever owns that land in friggin' Burnaby was like, um, no, um, this is- Or Langley. Yeah. Was like, this is too valuable. Yeah. Oh, and Betty saw the aura of Dagwood, and, but not Juniper, so then they tested them, and she thought that um, the gene, like the serial killer gene, was what was stopping her from seeing people's auras, but then she started seeing their auras anyway, and then at the end of the episode, she sees her own aura in the mirror. It's- Okay. It was kind of a huge waste of time, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. So did you want to do um, Jughead Veronica or Cheryl Heather first? I think that Cheryl Heather is slightly shorter, but it also intersects with the Archie Tabitha storyline. I don't care. Whatever you want. Um, I did my notes, uh, Jughead and Veronica first. Okay. So Jughead once again has writer's block. Luckily, he gets a message from Veronica, who asked her to, who asked him to meet her at the Babylonium. She says that Reggie and the shareholders are going to take everything from her. So, what if they team up and do a mentalist magician act mm-hmm. at the Babylonium? And Jughead's like, mm, interesting. And she's like, well, it'll be a 60-40 split my way, because I need money in order to build up my war chest. And Jughead's like... I also need money. I also need money. And also... um, He's doing all the work. I'm literally doing all the work. So it's 50-50 minimum, Veronica. And luckily, Veronica was impressed by that. And so she went for it. Yeah, Jug was really nice about it. And uh, I'm glad Veronica didn't try and, like, talk him down. Like, I mean, you know, she could argue, like, well, we're using my facility. We're using my crowds and all that stuff. But Jughead really is doing all the work. Yeah. And I would say whenever you're talking to someone who has money and they throw a money uh, number out there, never accept the first one. Try and haggle. Yeah. Always haggle. Yeah. I've also... um, Don't do that small businesses, though. Yeah. Um, I've also um, completely given up on the Babylonium versus the Babylonium. It's literally both. I don't know. Um, They used to only say Babylonium. Now it is exclusively the Babylonium. So all my notes say the Babylonium now. Why not? Whatever. Anyway, so the long and short of it is they're going to do a magic act to earn money. Yeah, I That's really basically it. Yeah, I really liked how he said that he only wants to read the minds of people of who are okay with it. Yes. Um, because last episode he was forced to not do that and he didn't like it. So I yes. liked that he made that caveat or yeah. caveat caveat caveat. Yeah, that was really classy of him to just straight yeah. up set boundaries. Mm-hmm. I really like Jughead these days. Jughead, once he got into a relationship with Tabitha and they did the Rivervale stuff. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's ever changing. It's a, always a revolving door of which Riverdale characters I like and dislike because they're always... Their personalities change Yeah, so they quickly. just change them so much. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm a big Jughead fan. Yeah. But I have definitely not been a Jughead fan in the past, you know? And then you were a stan for a while there. It's true. Yeah. So Veronica performs yet another musical number at the Babylonium. Um, just a little ditty. Just a little ditty. I don't even know what song this was. Did I don't you? know either. All right. Uh, I, I didn't look it up. I probably should have looked it up, but I, I didn't. I uh, did not. While you speak, I will see if I can find it. So Veronica introduces Jughead, who is now has a stage name. Um, It's Forsyth the Fantastic, and I kind of like it. Yeah, it's cute. So they basically do their magic act. They invite a rando up, and he has to write a number down on a whiteboard. Then Jughead has to guess it. Obviously, he's blindfolded. He guesses it correctly. Everyone is wowed. Yes. Um, I think that what happens is that um, since Jughead only wants to read the people who consent, that 
Veronica looks at the number and thinks the number real hard. And that's and what Jughead, I thought too. Yeah, Jughead is reading Veronica's mind. Yeah, that was my my guess as well. Yeah, and also Reggie's there and he's like not into it. Do you think it's hard for Jughead to like drown out what everyone's thinking? Oh uh, yeah, probably. I would go insane. Yeah. Cast soundtrack. Uh, it's the soundtrack. The soundtrack in here is just um songs that play rather than songs that Veronica sings. It's not on the Riverdale wiki. Alright, so thanks to Veronica, Jughead has gotten past his writer's block. We we love that what helping his friends actually helps him. Mm-hmm. So Reggie shows up to the Babylonium mm-hmm. and says, I want a cut of whatever's happening here. And Veronica's like, in what world and for what reason would I do that? Exactly. Yeah. And he says, because I know what you did. Mm-hmm. He's blackmailing her. Yeah, it's blackmail. Yeah. So she goes to Jughead, who's gotten past his writer's block, and he's just in his creative mm-hmm. flow in his... I'm trying so hard not to say juices. Yeah. But I'm gonna say juices. Mm -hmm. He's got his juices flowing. And she says, can you erase memories? Yeah. What? Not that I know of, but I guess I can try. I mean, I'll give it a go. Yeah. He's like, "Mm, I don't. That's not something he's ever tried. So basically Jughead says, well, what could Reggie have on you that you Mm -hmm. need to erase? Yeah. And Veronica reveals, oh yeah, I had my father murdered. Yeah. And Jughead's like, oh yeah, I was wondering about that. Like he literally, he like he takes it like a champ. He's just like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, he says he's he's not powerful enough for that, but he'll do some research because he doesn't know if he's capable of it, but... I think it's so funny that he, like, even when Betty was like, can you do this new thing? He was like, I'll do research. And Veronica's like, can you do this new thing? He's like, I'll do some research. And he finds research that, and then that then works, which is funny. It is pretty neat. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that before trying something, he does do his due gil- diligence to see, like, hey, is has anyone written about these things? Yeah. My thing is, um... <laughs> Where where is he getting the research from? I don't know. I mean, they they always have like little books and stuff, but I don't That's know true. if they're real. But I thought it was funny when Reggie comes to see Veronica. She's reading the Riverdale Choice, and it's about like their show. And yeah. I know I don't know if Jughead is still actively writing articles for the Riverdale Choice, but I think it would be funny if Jughead was like, "I'm gonna write this nice article about myself." I also like that actually. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really cute. Or like one of his kids was there. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, oh, another thing that we had mentioned about the Riverdale uh, or the. About the Veronica and Reggie uh, scene mm-hmm. um, was that when we were watching it, uh, we were like, hey, um, if, you know, she says, okay, Reggie, you can have 20% because he's literally blackmailing her. And we were like, that 20% better be coming out of your half for us. Oh, yeah, we did say that during the episode because like, we were like, you can't tell me it that. It can't be 10 and 10. Yeah, you're not going to, like, take 10% of what Jughead's earning because yeah. cause it's your problem. You know I wonder how mean? much they are getting, you know? Uh, I mean, she, when, when he, like, goes in and is counting all the money, it's quite a, a lot. That's really funny. You know? Um, well, I guess because it would be quite a show to see someone genuinely read minds. Yeah. Even, it, like, because you'd have people wondering, like, what's the catch? Yeah. You know, like, are, who's the plant mm-hmm. until it's you? Right. Also, when we see Jughead writing his little comics, he... <laughs> The listen, he the narration he, is interesting. He's writing like he's drawing better than I probably could draw, but also like that wouldn't be an actual comic. My assumption Sorry. is that he is writing down what he wants like the slides to look like and what he wants the words to be, but he would actually have somebody else actually illustrate it if he were to publish. Yeah, that's usually how that works. Yeah. Yeah, you write one writes the dialogue uh-huh. and does the story, the other does all of the drawing. Yeah. So in his uh each of his little panels, we have someone eating pancakes, someone walking through a door, a couple kissing, and in the like uh, the, he had written like they were still in love, but I couldn't read anything else. And then there's a girl with flowers and he's writing, "Laura had graduated summa cum laude from Centerville University." 
But these days she was chairing the PTA and, and then it just keeps, I'm like, what is this story about? What is it about? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it. When Veronica goes to Jughead, um, she tells him about the blackmail and he's like, yeah, I never liked him. Yeah, I never liked him even in high school. I was like, this kind of sucks. Yeah. But I mean, Reggie had so much development at one point. Yeah, it's just that, um, Jughead hasn't seen any of that development. He doesn't hang out with Reggie. And like, I am, I'm constantly reminded of episode 110 when, Jughead is having that birthday party that they all put on him for, even though he doesn't like birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have two friends, Betty and Archie. Those are my two friends. That's a good point. And I don't like anybody else. And Veronica's and I mean, like, okay. And I mean, Jughead has had lots of character development since then, obviously. It's been years and years and years. But he really does just still have but two I'm always, friends. But I'm yeah. always reminded of that. You know? And I mean, he didn't really make more fans. Yeah. More fans. More friends. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, Tabitha, duh! Yeah. Now he's I, I would genuinely say Tabitha is his best friend. Yeah. And oh, for sure. that makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. And he was friends, and he was friends with, like, Tony and stuff, too. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, until true. he wrote them into the, his book, and then they were mad at him and stuff like that. But yeah, poor Jughead's like, oh, God, everyone keeps asking me for things that I don't know how to do. And I know that we're really focusing on Archie and how, like, very cool Archie's power is, but I think Jughead's the most powerful of all the people who got powers. He is. Like, I yes, mean, Cheryl, Archie, too, but, you know. Archie, no, I would say Cheryl's is kind of, well, actually, okay, let's be real. Betty's is the worst. Yeah, Betty's is the boringest. The boringest? Yes. But, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Cheryl's is, like, cool, but it definitely has its limits. Jughead's has the most potential in terms mm-hmm. of, like, uses. I mean, that's what Tabitha said when she was like, Jughead, you're going, you're you're doomed to death because yours is the most important and so we need to have your power, right? Exactly. And, I mean, I think she's right. I think his power is the most important. Oh, my God, guys, we have to talk about what Sam said the other day. She was like, this is just the Avengers. And, mm-hmm. like, listen, I haven't been in my Marvel tees for, like years but yeah this is this is just the avengers yeah up to and including there being a literal black widow <laughs> well it was also pointed out that veronica's power is just poison ivy yeah and uh Ar- archie is a mix of archie's basically captain america uh-huh and then uh i don't know what betty's is uh oh and cheryl's is obviously you know scarlet witch scarlet witch she's literally a witch What's... with red hair yeah who ch- who shoots fire yeah She's so. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they talk about, they talked about the Avengers recently, like they, um, and they also talked about the X-Men, but. I like how they're like, okay, well, we gotta, like, cover our bases. Yeah. You know? So Jughead goes and does his research, mm-hmm. and he discovers that he actually can do it. It's called telepathic erasure, mm-hmm. which is where he removes specific images and thoughts from a memory. But to do it, the victim has to be asleep or otherwise preoccupied with something that'll free their subconscious and keep it unguarded, but their conscious mind is out yeah so they come up with this thing that like it's just a it's just a a, it's really a stupid joke like it's just a it, joke about how stupid reggie it's is. a joke yeah. about how stupid reggie is and it's just like kind of bums me out because yeah. like i also have to do this but basically reggie comes to collect his cut from veronica and she hands him it in all cash so he says you know i'm gonna have to count this and then he busies himself with counting and that's basically what they're gonna use for jughead to go around Reggie's brain. It's fine. It's a funny joke. It's yeah. a funny, stupid joke, but also like, I know very good at math, so that would be me too. It's just like, um, you know, our past few favorite line awards have just been Veronica talking about how stupid Reggie is, yep. you know? And like, the, the lines are funny, but I feel like we're starting to get into 
mean territory. Yeah, uh, I would say... Because he also, like, he just has dyslexia. He has dyslexia, too, you yeah, know? Yeah, I would say that it actually is genuinely in mean territory, mm. and it started being mean the second that they broke up and she started saying it, because, yeah, as yeah. funny as the dialogue is, because they're brutal roasts. Yeah, like, our my favorite line award, I think it's our only favorite line award this episode, is just Veronica being mean to Reggie again. Yeah, and out of context, it's, it's an absolute hysterical yeah. one. But... It makes me so sad because when they were in a relationship, she told him he was smart. Yeah. So to have someone that you loved then tell you that the thing that you're really sensitive about is actually true, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't imagine it. Well, and then it's just like, okay, so all the times that you told me that I was smart and doing a good job, those were, were all, just like, lying? lying? Like, yeah. All those times that you made me feel good were fake, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyway, I'm being way too sensitive about this, but it's no. because I have, like, that thing where you can't see numbers properly yeah. and you can't do math. That's me. Yeah. So, anyway, Jughead does go into Reggie's mind. He goes to his mind palace mm-hmm. and he opens a Reggie his comic. mind desk due to- Sorry. Betty also had a mind, mind desk. desk. And he opens up a Reggie comic. Yes. And there's also, like, a football helmet and that dyslexia book and stuff on the desk. So, like, you can always tell whose desk it is yeah. before you sit down. Yeah. So Jughead finds the volume with Reggie's memory of Ronnie telling him about her dad. He rips the page out. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves Reggie's mind. Reggie's death. mind, basically. <laughs> so, um, oh, what was I going to say? Did, now remind me, because you also read Archie comics when you were a little, like I did. Yes, yes, of course. Um, Did Reggie have his own comics like the Jugheads and the Betty and Veronica's? I feel like he did, but not very many. Not that I recall. I was always, I always read the Betty and Veronica's. Mm-hmm. I would get Archie and Friends, yeah. never the standalone Jugheads, and I don't remember standalone Reggie's. I feel like if there was one, there weren't very many, and that's because Reggie was a villain. Yeah, exactly. And so you'd just be watching Reggie be mean to people. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah, time, yeah, you know. Which, like, you know, that's fine, but it has to be, like, the evil universe comic yeah. book. Yeah. Veronica then takes the money back from Reggie, and Reggie's like, that's my money. I got it because <laughs> I know that thing. He's like, and do you know how long I just spent counting exactly. that? Give it back! And Veronica's like, what thing? And Reggie's uh, like, the the thing. The thing that, that I, I know about you. you. That we would, that I would say. And then he just blanks out. Yeah, and she's just Who's like- goes poison? Well, I know, and then, and then it like, it gets mean again because she's like, well, why don't you do a little think on it and get yeah. back to me? And know? I'm like, okay, but once again- I, I know he's screwing you over, but like, you don't have to like- Press in on his bruises, you no, know? No, here's the thing. Reggie sucks right now. Yeah. Reggie absolutely sucks right now. Yeah. But the thing that sucks more is what the writers decided to do with their relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, he leaves. Reggie goes to Percival and says, hey, I think Veronica and Jughead made me forget something, but I don't know what it is. Because I forgot it, you see? Yeah. Because, yeah, because I forgot it. And Percival's pretty impressed because obviously that means that Jughead has expanded his own yeah. powers. I thought, like, once again, I... I feel bad, but but Percival, when he says that to Reggie, he he says, Reggie, what's wrong? I can tell that you are more perplexed than usual. Which made me laugh, but I'm also like, okay, we get it, he's dumb. Yeah, it's- Yeah. I'm sad. It's just gotten to be a lot. And that's the little Veronica and Jughead storyline, and then we're gonna do um, Cheryl and Heather real quick as well. Yeah. Alright, so gay stuff? So gay stuff, finally. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Cheryl and Heather are becoming reacquainted mm-hmm. in a kissy way, I yeah. think. I think in the future. Now, a disclaimer. It's I, I don't dislike Heather. Uh-huh. I don't really have much of I an opinion. I can't get a read on her. I don't really have much of an opinion on her. Um, there's not really like anything to like either I, yet. I my my guard is up. Mm-hmm. There's a couple red flags in here where I was like, mmm. 
I don't know about this, so we'll see. Yeah. I think she has a really sort of, like, different way of moving her mouth. And yeah. so she has, like, this strange mannerism with moving her mouth that I'm always just like, what's going on? Well, I don't know how to explain it, but the way that they've styled her is mm. everything is very closed in. You're completely you right about like, that. She's got the bangs, the long hair, and mm. the glasses. Like, yeah. it's like they're hiding her. I can't see her, her face. Yeah. Yeah, so I you're think, right. I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah. We'll see. So Cheryl asks Heather what happened about her mom, because Cheryl used to know her mother. And Heather says that her mom died in a tragic accident not long after they moved to Greendale. Mm -hmm. I know that Miss Grundy probably didn't have a child Cheryl's age, but God, that sounds like Miss Grundy. Yeah. And she kind of looks like Miss Grundy as well. Um, it's just that I think Miss Grundy was already, like, in- when Archie was, like, 14, she was only, like, t 24, so, like, the timing- she'd only be 10 years old when she had a kid. Yeah. So. My- the other thing that I was, like, thinking about was maybe this is a tie-in to Sabrina that we just haven't yeah. figured out yet. Grundy was probably older than that, never mind, but still probably I too I think she was in her 30s, but, yeah, I think too young. I want to go to Heather's character page really quickly. Sure. I also love that they ended up, like, doing Heather's the musical after they decided that Cheryl's, like, girlfriend's name was, was Heather. Was Heather, yep. So Heather kind of leadingly asks Cheryl if she's seeing anyone, and Cheryl says, oh yeah, I was seeing Tony, and, you know, it was good, but then they've gone different ways. She doesn't say Tony's gender. What? Oh my gosh, I just went, I went on Heather's page too, and then I clicked on the actress. Yeah. She was born four days before me. Oh my god. March 1st, 1995. That's crazy. We are the same. Yeah, see, they're hiding so much of her face. Yeah. Because, like, okay. you see her, you see yeah. her, like, headshot and you're like, oh, you can actually see her face. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point that you made. I I, I clocked that too, is that she says she was seeing someone named Tony, but she doesn't say if it was. Which, I mean, boy. as a gay person, yeah. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, because you have to suss out, one, if that person is homophobic, and then two, if you're talking to a girl, whether or not she's also into girls, you yeah. gotta figure it out. But also, if you're interested in this girl, then you might as well be like, who was also a girl, so that you can make it very clear to her that you have dated girls. Yeah, but you don't know anything about Heather yet. Well, she, if she was kissing up on Heather as a teen, as That's a tween, true. then I don't know. Alright, fair enough. But go on. Oh, also, uh, Heather said that she had been working at the li that library for almost seven years, so that's basically the full time oh. jump. So we don't know what she was doing before the time yeah. death, though. She yeah. was in school, like Heather is a librarian, and that's what, like, she tells uh, Cheryl, and then Cheryl's like, oh, by the way, I want to turn Thornhill into a privately owned library. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'd want to help with that? And I'm like, oh my god, rich gay people are funny. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, well, I'm just going to turn the whole thing into a library um, yeah. to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. But also, I really like that because she's bringing a library back to her. Yeah, right there's now. no library. I mean, she's got some weird-ass stuff in there, though. Yeah, she does. Yeah, so I like that she was like, um, are you seeing anybody? And she's like, no, I am currently single. Are you seeing anybody? And she's like, not anybody fancy. Mm, no. So we were like, okay, so we're, we're good. But she's like, I want to make this the library of Riverdale. And I'm like, I thought that Thornhill wasn't part of Riverdale anymore. Um, I don't think that the writers remember that that happened. No, they fully forgot. That's yeah, okay. They definitely forgot. Yeah. That. Hey, these things happen. All right. So they do set about doing the library plan. Heather sets an intention for the library, she recites a spell while burning sage. Mm -hmm. Cheryl is like, oh my god, I too like to study witch stuff. Like studying Wicca and stuff. And Heather says, yeah, uh, studying Wicca and worshipping the goddess Hecate? Hecate. Hecate helped Heather self-actualize. Yeah, I think it's funny that, like, you know, we're seeing these scenes where they're just, like, constantly beating around the bush. And I'm like, hey, when when the camera isn't on you, what do you guys talk about? Ah! <laughs> you know? 
You know what? Fair enough. Yeah. That's really funny, though. Aw, gang people. So Heather decides to read Cheryl's tarot cards. Mm -hmm. The first card she gets is the Queen of Wands, which represents a new strength or ability discovered. Yeah, and Cheryl's like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) What could that be? The next card is the Lovers, which means that Cheryl is yearning for connection and love. Hmm. She's like, yeah. Cheryl's like, don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. The last card is the Tower, which promises disaster, carnage, and war. Cheryl just sits there and she's like, well, yeah, it's Riverdale. Yeah, classic. Like, she's not even worried about getting the worst card because she's like, well, I mean, what else could happen? Yeah. Exactly. I think that probably is foreshadowing for, like, the battle that is apparently supposed to happen Exactly. And stuff. But Cheryl personally is like, I've literally had my body taken over by another evil witch. I'm yeah, good. I'm like, fine. this is not a problem. It can't get worse. Honestly, most of their storyline is just them, like, flirting about being gay yeah. witches. It's yeah. very cute. Mm-hmm. So Tabitha comes to Cheryl for help. She meets Heather and they basically come to the conclusion that Tabitha is experiencing a haunting. Yeah. Which is in the other storyline. Yeah, we'll it's in the other storyline, yeah. but they do. She comes to them. Yeah. Oh, the ghosts haven't moved on because they're afraid of what they would find in the afterlife or they have unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Classic haunting. Yes. But Heather has experience communicating with ghosts and she says, Tabitha, I can help you. Yeah, we'll help. She's like, yep, sounds like you totally are haunted. We need them to to move on. I think Tabitha's like, listen, I can time travel, but this is crazy. And all of them are like, uh-huh. Like, uh, you no, guys don't want to, like, like you question can, that or... You okay. can time travel? Okay. What? You can do what now? Yeah. No one questions anything anymore. Sure. Why not? So do you want me to keep going because they're doing... Because this be is great. also part of the other storyline. Yeah, but, go ahead and yeah. do this this part, yeah. So now we come to, like, the big scene in this storyline, which is everyone at Pops doing, I guess, a summoning. Yeah. They're trying to invoke the dead to find out what's happening and why Pops is being haunted. So Heather does her little witchy thing, Mm -hmm. and she recites a spell, and a waitress named Gilda shows up, along with, I think, four other people. Three other people. So there's four of them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Gilda says that they are all bound to the diner because they have to witness a battle that is between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Once they witness that battle, they can complete their journey. Yeah. Why do they have to witness this battle? I don't know. Like, who decided they have to do that? I have no idea. Okay. I, I don't know. I think it's funny that the, the scene starts with Cheryl lighting candles, and I'm like, babe, you don't have to do that. Just Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess she hasn't shown Heather that she can do that yet, but like... Oh, yeah, good point. Do it secretly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the people are named Mona Mitchell, Gilda Snide, who's the person that we talked to, Marcus Lee, and Jenny Bride. So it's lucky that they, uh, that, their names that their rhyme. names rhyme. But also, how does she even know their names? They looked at the names of the people who all died in the diner. Yeah, I guess because Tabitha asked Pop if anyone died, and she said, yes, they had, they did, but we just didn't know that they knew their names. But, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this just tells us that, that they did. So Tabitha asked the ghost to please stop sabotaging the move because they have to do this or Pops is going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. She and Gilda have a back and forth where Gilda explains that they have to protect the diner because it's the final battleground. There can't be a disruption to it. Mm -hmm. And Tabitha's like, this guy is going to bulldoze it and build a train. Gilda is like, is that a ghost train? And then we don't find out what that... Well, well, we kind of find out, but we like yeah. we don't know what, like, if that's actually what Percival's doing. I think that's them telling us that that is what he's doing. Yeah, so the ghost train is an engine that grants its conductor great power and dominion over the realm of the living and the dead. Okay. It's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. It's very cool. But at this point, like... We're already at a certain level of, like, weird supernatural stuff. 
a go- this ghost train concept is a step farther that I, like, didn't know that they were gonna do, you know? I think it's absolutely hysterical. Yeah. I think that they've just leaned straight into being like, okay, this is the show now. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it personally. And I wanted to welcome the girl who plays Heather to this insane show with this, uh, with this scene. Oh my god, can you imagine coming into Riverdale and being like, okay, so this is your, this is your job now. Mm-hmm. Could not yeah. be me. I also noticed that they, they, um, like, later when we see them, they are normal and everything, but when we first see them, they're all kind of like the ghosts that is are kind of like messed up mm-hmm. so like the two teens are like really bloodied maybe they were yeah like a, I, it's I like they were happened. murdered or something yeah and then gilda it looked like was burned so maybe she was i feel like we've did we talk about a waitress that that was oh what did she got, dumped got in her, the deep fryer yeah she got hurt by oil or something no before? like yeah. i think she fell into the deep fryer or something yeah I maybe we talked about her. that has to be her okay but um oh my god consistency i love i was that. like there's no way there's no way. I feel like it has to be. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll look it up. I have yeah, it right I'm in front of me. I'm gonna look up Gilda. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, Gilda Snide. No. Um, it doesn't say. It doesn't say on her page, but I remember them saying that. Yeah. I feel like that has to be it. I mean, either they remembered that and brought it back, which is amazing, or they were like, um, how does a waitress die at Pops? Uh, probably, and then they just had the same idea twice. Um, it's that one. Yeah. Let's be real. Gilda finally concedes and says, okay, you can move it, but the diner cannot remain broken down for very long. You have to rebuild it. It can't go into storage because if they dissipate into the ether, there will be no witnesses and the final battle can't happen. And I'm like, um, that sounds great. Let's not do the final battle. Then. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, is, is I don't want to do a battle. But unfortunately, that also means that they can't defeat the eldritch evil. Right. Which is Percival. Exactly. So da- Tabitha decides she can dissemble Pops, but only if she finds another location to put it as soon as possible. Yeah. So Tabitha's like, okay. Yeah. So Cheryl and Heather wrap up their storyline by basically doing a debrief of what happened at the diner. Cheryl says that she was impressed with Heather's knowledge of the supernatural, but she was doing death magic. Mm-hmm. So is she or is she not a witch? And Cheryl says yes after her mother, or Heather says yes after her mother died. A coven took her in in Greendale. She's not Wiccan. She's a full witch. And she thinks that Cheryl might be one too. And Cheryl's like, yeah, look what I can do with my fingers. Yeah. So I didn't mean for that to sound fruity, but uh, I'm going to let that stay. I liked that the, uh, the wordage that they were using was so like queer coded. It literally, she was like, well, I haven't put the label on myself yet, but I'm dancing around it for months. Exactly. Heather's like, well, I don't want to label you or anything. And Cheryl's like, I haven't used that word to describe myself yet. I'm like, oh, okay, we get it. It's also, very cute. I hope that she's not evil. Yeah, me too. I also think she was probably taken in by Zelda's coven, mm-hmm. but I suspect that she might have also been taken in by Madame Satan. Yeah. Which, in that case, um, you in danger, girl. I also don't know when the timelines intersect. Like, if any of those characters died in Sabrina, I didn't finish Sabrina. I only watched season one. I didn't one. finish Sabrina either, but I just had an idea. Just a minute. Okay. But she's like, also, I can make fire. And if we're both witches, can you teach me? And she says yes, and they hold hands, which is really nice. But I hope that, like, now that Heather has, like, told her that she's a witch and everything, that maybe she'll be a little bit more free, you know? Like, she won't be, like, so closed in, like you said, and wearing the yeah. glasses and everything. Like, I'd love to see the actual full Heather, because right now she's so, like, I can't tell what's going on with her, you know? Okay, no. Uh, Madam Satan had a son. Mm. I was like, oh my god, is she Madam Satan's child, but I don't think so. Oh, yeah, and then Madam Satan was the one who died once they got to- No, she's alive. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Lilith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that is the- is that that storyline. That's the storyline. Um, and the rest of the episode we're gonna just do chronologically, um, 
taking out those two storylines we already talked about, obviously. But first, we're going to talk about Patreon, which is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash theaficionados. And uh, a couple things that you can get if you join. The $1 level gets you early access to every single podcast. $2 is our Discord server. $5 is 10% off where Britney sells stuff, I sell stuff for our small business, and also um, lost co-host Casey. Um, you get 10% off of all those places with, at the $5 level. Um, and then also my personal favorite is the $10 level, which gets you access to our Patreon-only podcast, OK Love You High, where we talk every two weeks for about 45 minutes about whatever we feel like it. Our latest episode was about um, YouTube and our YouTube habits and what we used to listen or what we used to watch on YouTube when we were teens and what we watch on YouTube now. And uh, it was fun. I like talking about it. And we recorded it while having COVID. So yeah. yeah. So enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you can't do that, just recommend us to a friend. That'd be amazing. Uh, and it's free. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Yay! R- remind your friends that they don't have to watch Riverdale to listen to this podcast. It's so true. If anything, don't watch Riverdale. Yeah. We'll just watch it for you. So true. My thing that I tell people is I watch Riverdale so other people don't have to. So you don't have to. Yeah. You can if you want to, because sometimes it's fun. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to. I literally told a pharmacist the other day, she was like, yeah. oh my god, is that like a Harry Potter t-shirt? And I had to say, no, it's a Riverdale t-shirt. But if you like bad shows that are unintentionally funny, watch it. Yeah. And she was like, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So everything else. <laughs> everything, everything else. Everything else. Tabitha gets, is talking to, I think, Jughead and Pop? Yeah. I can't remember who else she's talking about. But either way, she said that she couldn't get it declared a landmark. She tried, but she couldn't get it declared. And she's like, but I have an idea, which I have a complaint about in a second. Of course. Betty goes and tells uh, Agent Drake <gasps> about everything she just learned last episode. Okay. Um, and she's like, oh, was Hal also groomed to kill? Wasn't Hal also, like, groomed to kill by his mother also? And she's like, yep, that's my house. Or that's my family. And Drake says, well, you need to move out of that house. Do, can you move to, like, a boyfriend's house or a girlfriend's house? Uh, she's asking if you have a partner. Hmm. Hmm. And it sucks because also then she has to be like, oh, yes, I have a boyfriend. And she's very nice. You know, Drake is just like, oh, cool. Yeah, interesting. Right. But then like if Betty had said, oh, I have a girlfriend, even though she doesn't, then at least she would know that she's interested in girls, which we actually don't even know about Betty. But all of the looks that she's giving Agent Drake this episode that I'm just like, come on, Betty. I feel like like knowing that Lily Lily definitely wants it. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like maybe they are doing this because Lily's like, can we please do like a queer yes. moment? Like I am queer and I want this. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that too. I, w- I would love that so much. That sounds great. It will also say this scene proves that someone on the show watches or listens to our podcast. Yes. Or- because what? Either that or they were hope they were trying to make an X-Files reference the entire time and this was the X-Files reference. No, 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 but I live in a delusion where I can just say I want things and then someone on that team gives them to me. Yeah, I do want to point out real quick that I think this was shot before we had posted that podcast. No, but just let me live in my delusion. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, because it's a delusion. Yeah. So I know that it's not real, but this is this is my delusion. So her first name is Jillian. Yes. And that is our X-Files reference because... Jillian Anderson. Is the one who plays Scully. Yes, of course. I feel like everyone knows that. And if you don't know that, go watch the X-Files and you'll know it. It's spelled differently, but who cares? Is it spelled differently? Yes. Oh. With a J. And Betty also says that Drake, she says she can call her Jillian or Drake and she doesn't mind. Betty continues to call her Drake. So we're going to keep calling her Drake. Yes. But she says, oh, I'm so glad that you requested a transfer so that you could help with TBK. Mm. It's because she has a crush on you. Uh, 
Like, this is gonna happen, I'm telling you. I'm excited. Um, so back at Archie's house, he's going to take Bingo for a walk. Betty comes in and asks if she can move in because Drake said, um, you should get out of your house and you need to move into your boyfriend's house. She says, okay. So she says, Archie, can I move into your house? Archie says, yes, please. Sounds great. Where does Frank live? I don't know. Where Archie and he Betty live and where live Frank lives? It's so unclear right now. Either yeah. way. Luckily, she doesn't have to move all her stuff very far because he's right next door. Okay. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to say again that I'm so happy for high school Betty. She's living her dream. She really is. This is exactly what she yeah. always wanted. So, um, Miss Weiss, the social worker, um, is helping Tony and Fangs with the custody battle. And she's like, so you've got some things working against you. And Fangs says, oh yeah, because we're gangbangers? No one who is- What? I feel like no one who's in a gang would call themselves that, but okay. Because isn't that a thing? Oh, no. Gangbang is different from gangbanger. Okay. A gangbanger is not someone who does a gangbang? They could be, but I think the two are not mutually exclusive. Okay. Okay, because that's what I thought was he was saying, and I was just like, huh? Like, I know that he- I assumed that he was probably hyperbolizing, and then, like, oh, Kevin would say that we do gangbangs, and so that's why he was saying it, is he was just like, oh yeah, because we're in quotation marks. So what's a gangbanger? Um, a gangbanger banger is basically just a gang member. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great then. Um, she's like, yeah, and also you- uh, both have criminal records. And she's like, well, I'm his baby Anthony's mother and I have a degree in social work and I'm literally a social work or like a, a guidance counselor. And she's like, yeah, these are all great points, but it's not necessarily a guarantee because you also don't know what judge you're going to get. Yeah. You don't know how that, like if that judge is going to have any internal biases that they're bringing in or anything. And on they have, they have the odds stacked against them. Yeah. And so she says, Oh, Fangs, what did you do for work? He says, I used to be a truck driver. Now I work part-time at Tony's bar. And Tony says, it's not my bar. It's our bar, which I thought was really lovely. It's very cute. Yes. And he takes care of the baby while I'm at work. So it's very important. Like, He's it's a house husband. Yeah. So He's a stay-at-home dad. Do you think that the judge will like that? And she says, honestly, it depends on the judge. Don't I? Honestly, if I were a judge, I'd be impressed at the stay-at-home dad. Absolutely. It shows progressiveness. Yeah. You know? Progress, progress, progressivity. Yeah. So Tabitha goes to Archie and tells Archie that her big idea that she wants to do is to move Pops to a safer location. It's a good idea. I was a little bit annoyed with Tabitha being like, I came up with a great idea and then this being the idea because um, Veronica told you to do this. Oh my god. Like three or four episodes ago. This was oh, yeah. Veronica's idea. Wait, did Veronica say move the whole thing or Veronica's idea was the pop-up? No, she said well, you should move the whole thing to a safer location. Yep, okay, fair enough. So anyway, uh, so then Percy won't be able to claim it. Uh, because they're going to do it on uh, on protected land or whatever. Or, or land that she has and owns or whatever. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So I don't know where I'm going to do it, but until then we're just going to put it into deep storage. And I'm like, okay, but then you don't make any money in the meantime. Yeah, though. what are you putting like, what into What are you going to do? Like, I, I have so many questions about what the plan was, but then um, Riverdale I, just doesn't I'll never have, get my answers and I don't need them. Yeah, and then Riverdale just doesn't have pops for like how long? You know, then it's not Riverdale. The town with pops? No! Well, I mean, so. it doesn't say the town with pops on the sign anymore. You're anyway. right about that. So Archie's like, okay, we'll do it. We'll we'll get a crew. And she's like, good timing, because apparently Percy's are going to bulldoze in like a few days. So we Ugh, need to get going. This freaking guy. And Archie's like, yeah, that guy sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I agree. You know what? I also agree. Yeah. So Archie goes to his guys, um, which he keeps saying, my guys and my guys, you know. It's very cute. It. But there are multiple women on his, yeah, but on I, his thing. If I... In my opinion, guys is gender neutral. Yeah, that's if I'm saying, hey guys, but like, you know, when you're talking about them to someone else and you say my guys, you know? I think it's just Archie being good guy Archie. I feel like that's- said, Archie said gender is a construct, tear it apart. Yeah. So he goes to all of them and he says, hey, I got a new gig for all of you. 
And they're like, oh, is it a union job? And he says, yes, Carlos. So, welcome, Carlos. Uh, welcome, Carlos. Random uh, random background person. Hello, random man. He says that it's going to have health benefits, time and a half, pension, etc. And Fangs is very interested because he's obviously trying to look good for the judge. I literally cannot believe that Riverdale was like, let's get in on the union conversation. Which is so weird because he keeps... Like, later, um, he's like, Frank, you, we have all been longtime union members, right? I don't remember them being longtime union members. Well, like, episodes ago when Betty was like, Archie, can we be actually together or whatever? He was just like, you really want to be with me? Here are all the things that I don't have going for me, including not being a, not having a union or whatever. Oh my god. So I was like, you specifically said that you didn't have a union before. And now you're telling me you're a longtime union member? (laughs) Consistency. Thank you. This is so funny. Anyway. So, but I really loved this moment where he's like, oh yes, it'll be union. And he mentions all the good things that are going to come with it. And Fangs just perks up. He's just like, oh my gosh, I need all those things. You know, he's working so hard to look good for this. And I think it's so sweet. And I love that so much. I'm really happy that Fangs is working hard for those sort of things. Yeah. Which is why it's hilarious later when he goes back on all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so everyone's in. They're going to do it. Uh, so Fangs goes home to Tony and she comes out of the room. She says, I just put Anthony to bed um, because we hardly ever see the baby and we just talk about him. Um, yeah. And Fangs tells her about the job that Archie gave him. And he's like, I really want to pull my weight here and show you that I'm not a freeloader. And she's like, I don't think of you like a freeloader. I Like, you literally do this while I'm at work. What would I do without you? I can't do this without you. He's a parent. And he says, like, listen, I just want to do everything I can so that we can keep the baby. I just love them so much. I also this is amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. And I also think it's um whether or not they intend it, it's an interesting exploration of gender roles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was Where, good. Not in that he thinks that Tony should be at home, but that he thinks that like he needs to be like a stand up dude who, mm-hmm. you know, is a uh, employed and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's like, I would just think that this would make me a better father. And she's like, you're already a great father. Yes. It's great. So Betty comes home to the Cooper house um, and sees the twins with a cat. They say that Alice got the cat for them and she calls and Juniper calls her granny. And I'm like, of all the grandma names, Alice, did, there's no way Alice chose granny. Alice did not choose granny. I'm you know? sorry. And the cat's name is is Butterscotch. Instead of Caramel. Um, instead of caramel and instead of toffee, which is what, um, Betty's cat's name was. And I'm like, okay, so it's not toffee? Like, who, where's toffee? I have no idea. I mean, Glenn's dead now. I'm, I'm still thinking about this. I'm never gonna let it go. This show absolutely forgot Betty had a cat. Yeah. Um, but I love the, all the candy-based names. I like, I think that's adorable. I love that. Yeah. So they're like, we're gonna have so much fun playing with his tail. And then there's an aura over Dagwood. And I was like, oh my god, no. Like, what are you gonna do to that cat's tail? Dagwood, abusing animals is a telltale sign of, like, a psychopath. Literally. No. And so apparently, like, you know, after we learned that Juniper has the, has the gene, uh, I guess Juniper would have had an aura as well. If, like, I thought that maybe Dagwood must have been, like, the instigator and was, like, just, like, a worse kid than Juniper. Because I thought, was he the one who pushed that kid down the stairs? (gasps) Oh, yeah. But I guess it seems to me that Juniper would have also had an aura if Betty had been able to see it. Yeah. So Betty takes away the cat and is just like, I'm just going to make sure he has his shots. Ha ha. Which is good for her. And the kids don't even question it. They're yeah. like, oh, okay. Like, okay. Um, so the whole group, everyone is at Pops um, and they're taking down all the decorations and stuff. We see like the Pops, like the Pop bobblehead again, which I love. And then- and which um, you said you wanted as we were watching it. Yes. And the gumball machine falls over and breaks. And I think later it's sort of confirmed that it was like one of the ghosts that did that. Exactly. So Betty goes back to ask Drake for some more advice and she's like, oh, I'm so happy to help because she's deeply into Betty and you can tell. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Am I? Daily says yes. Am I? Am I projecting? No. 
You don't think so? No. Okay, good. I think she's really into Betty. Me and Daly both think that yeah. that this is a ship that is going to happen. So Betty tells her, hey, so um, I can see auras. I bet Drake, being literally in the X-Files, probably thinks that's so hot. Yeah, she's like, oh my god, a real-life subject. Oh my god, she has powers. It's giving Fox Mulder. And she immediately believes, too. She's like, well, I think what you do is you detect hostile energy fields. So she says, yes, and I saw one around Dagwood, but not Juniper. She also says that she gave the cat to a shelter, which is sad because okay. now the now the cat is in a shelter, which is sad, but also now it's definitely not being abused by these children, so it's probably better for it. Exactly. But I'm like, why don't you keep the cat, Betty? Where's your, where, you know? And then Bingo will have a friend and also, um, then you can remember Toffee. Exactly. But, all right. So she says, also I've seen auras around killers, but not around TBK. So it feels like I have a blind spot for some people. And so they're like, maybe it's the gene. So they're going to test the twins to see if they have the gene. Why the hell didn't she see it around TBK? Uh, I think that they're assuming that he has the, the gene. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people carry that gene and aren't serial killers. This show is so full of misinformation. <laughs> One of my theories was that the reason why she didn't see the aura was because he didn't have any, she, he wasn't a threat to her. Mm-hmm. And that maybe he's a threat to other people, but not to her. But now, you know, she sees the threatening aura when um, the kids are threatening towards the cat, you know? So she, so that's no longer true. Yeah. So now now I just don't know. I it's It, it feels like a, a filler yeah. thing for, to give Betty time. So they, so she brings them to Dr. Curdle Jr., who I guess is just he's a doctor. He's just a doctor now. <laughs> just a doctor. And they, like, come in and go, like, playing around with his stuff. And he's gonna test them for the gene. Dr. Colonel's like, okay, I guess these children can do this. So back at Pops, they're like, okay, everything's in the truck. Great. Archie locks everything up. And, you know, Tabitha's kind of sad, but Archie comforts her. And then Percy and Frank show up. And they're like, hey, by the way, I have another job that you can do. You can work on my railroad project. They're going to be higher wages and a signing bonus and no union dues. So no health care. Yeah. So your signing bonus will just go to your medical bills when you're inevitably injured on Percival's worksite. So does no union dues mean that they're just going to pay their union dues for them and they're still going to be in the union? No, it's a non-union job. Okay. So it's like, oh, is it a union job? And he's like, yes, and here are all the good things about that. No. You know, but like before they were complaining because Archie wasn't a union. Anyway, whatever. It's because they they want to be in, in the union, but- a classic union busting tactic is to talk about union dues. Right. By saying like, oh, think of all the money you could save if you weren't paying your union dues. And it's like, but then I don't get the- any of the good things that yeah, come with being in the union. Think of all the money you're saving by not having to pay your own medical bills. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, uh, we're long-term union members. And I was like, didn't you tell Betty you weren't unionized? Ugh, whatever. I don't know. So he's like, my dad fought for that, Frank. No, None of us are going to join you. That's new information to us, but all right. Yeah. And then Fangs really needs this job because of their legal fees. And so Fangs is gonna do it. Fangs is compromising his morals for capitalism. And I'm just like, okay, but like, you got so mad at Kevin for being on Percival's side. And now you're just gonna do it for money. Like, I don't know. It sucks. Here's my thing is that, you know, later Fangs is like, oh, don't worry, Tony. I've already been warned about Percival. Archie already told me how to sort of combat him, right? So my headcanon slash theory is that they're using Fangs as a double agent. That could work. Because he can't be charm spoken to. And it also like is an interesting conversation on the evils that people who don't have power are forced to give into because of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Where like Fangs is having to choose between having his child in his life 
or losing his child and it comes down to whether or not he has this job under capitalism like it sucks it's evil yeah so they come back the next day and everything is just back inside pops like even all the decorations in the exact same spot everything's like screwed in and everything like that must have taken so much work well i think that like for the ghosts yeah yeah i guess so i mean i guess they can just go to start to go ooh, and it happens. Oh, yeah fair enough but i think that probably the way that they shot it was that they shot everything with everything in Pops, you know? And then, then they took everything out and then they shot everything without all the stuff yeah. in Pops in it. Because movie magic, can you even do that? But Archie's just like, okay, well, let's just uh, do it all again, I guess. And Tabitha's like, I'm going to go deal with Percival. So she does. And the way she does it is very funny. Yeah. So she goes to the curio shop. She says, hey, you put all my stuff back. And he goes, uh, no, uh, I want you out of there, remember? And she's like, no, you want all my stuff destroyed. Leave me alone. And she breaks the vase. And Percy's like, okay, that's that scene. I I wonder what breaking the vase, like, because usually if you break an object like that, it mm. has, like, supernatural consequences. Right. I wonder if we'll see that come back at all. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It's Riverdale, so no. Yeah. So they're still getting rid of all the stuff in there. Then the jukebox goes off. And so Carlos... And also this guy named Sam go to move it. But then Sam gets electrocuted because they didn't unplug it before they went to move it. I, d- I feel like they did unplug it. Yeah. And the ghosts were just like, mm. well, why? well, all the lights were on, though. So, like, you guys should at least even, like, at least think about, hmm, maybe we should, I don't know, whatever. So, Betty gets a call from Dr. Curdle Jr. who says that Juniper has the gene, but Dagwood doesn't. So. This is a shock. So the, you know, and, and we've mostly seen, I mean, we've seen Charles have the gene. But other than that, we've only seen Alice, Betty, and Juniper, other than Charles, right? So it seems yeah. like maybe it is more prevalent in women. Yeah, it yeah. might be. Mm-hmm. So the new hypothesis is that maybe I can't see the auras of the people who have the gene. So we need to continue to test this to see if it's true. The other auras that we've seen are that Trevor guy and also Cheryl. So we're going to test them next. Somehow right. she gets, uh, she's able to test this Trevor guy. And we don't see her asking Cheryl, but apparently they did test them. And Cheryl would just go along with yeah, it. Yeah, she would be like, like right. sure, whatever. I'm yeah. honestly busy being gay. So, oh my um, God, that's me all day. I'm yeah. like, okay, but like, I'm really busy de- being gay today. Yeah. So can you hurry this up? So Betty's like, also, I need to get those kids out of the house because she doesn't want the kids to cross paths with Percival because he might prey on their violent instincts. Which I think... One is a fair assumption in this world where apparently having this gene automatically makes you a serial killer. Right. But just so we're 100% clear, a lot of people have this gene. It does not make you a serial killer. Right. Uh, So Tony gets home again and she's like, hey, whose car is that outside? And he's like, our car. I used my signing bonus to get to do a down payment for it. Like, what signing bonus, bestie? And she's like, oh, Archie gave you a signing bonus? And he's like, oh, no, uh, Percival did. And she's like, thanks, what? Uh, I'm on Tony's team on this one. And he's like, well, she, he's giving me almost double what Archie's paying. And she's like, well, he might have been responsible for baby Anthony's kidnapping. And we know that he was. She's like, we don't like that guy. And also he can control minds. I feel like she also knows that he was. Like, yeah. this is kind of a fact at yeah. this point. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Archie warned me and told me to have an emotional tether. And so, yeah, like I said, my theory is that maybe we can use Fangs as a double agent because he's not going to be able to be charm spoken to. I also just think it's very sweet that, like, even if that's not the case, mm-hmm. Archie still gave him the yeah. means that he needed to protect himself. Yeah, and he says that his tether will be baby Anthony. It's so cute. My mom did something really similar to that. When she was getting surgery, There, the person was like, Okay, now we're going to put you under. Now you think of something really nice, something that you really love. My mom thought of my niece Lola. Aw. My little Lola. I I love using love as a tether. Yeah. Especially as a storytelling Mm -hmm. device. 
Because love is powerful. And that's why it's so disappointing that it doesn't work for Frank later. Well, because I don't think that's the right kind of love. I think mm. it's supposed to be Frank's love for Archie. Mm. Aww. Yeah. So at the hospital, Archie explains to Tabitha that Sam got electrocuted and Tabitha says, that's not possible. It was literally serviced two months ago and it was fine. Yeah. That's that scene. All done. So once again, also, it's a ghost thing. So that night, Tabitha shows up at Pops and sees from outside ghosts inside the diner. She sees those four ghosts. But when she goes inside, it's empty. It's so cool. It's so spooky. I love little moments like this. So um, Tabitha goes to Archie and tells him what she saw. And she says that she talked to Pop and Pop said that, yes, people have died there. And Archie's like, that's fine. Cool. To be honest, unfortunately, I have other things to worry about because all of my crew keeps leaving after that guy got electrocuted and now they're working for Percival and Frank. And she's like, okay, well, we still need to move everything. And he's like, okay, I'll get my crew back. I'll figure it out. I I feel really bad for Archie. He's juggling a lot at the same time. And so is Tabitha. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow they're the only two that are getting anything done. Yeah. So Archie meets up with Frank at the White Worm and he says, don't worry, I'll pay for it. Here is my chime card. My card from chime. I, we love a sponsored post. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I, the, keeping this show on the air is hysterical. Yeah. So he's like, Frank, I don't want to fight you. Like, Fred would really hate that we were fighting. And, you know, starts talking to him about, about Fred. And Frank goes, yeah, well, he was an idealist. Okay. So what if he was? I once had an argument with my grandfather about idealism mm. and how... He was like, oh, well, you live in an ideal world. And I'm like, idealists are the only people who have ever progressed society forward. If you don't have the ideals and work towards a common positive goal, society does not move forward. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Yeah. So then he shows him a picture of Frank and Fred at, when they were kids, which is really cute. And he's like, I know we both love Pops and we both love Andrew's construction. Can we please put aside our differences until we get this job done? Um, pretty sweet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good attempt. Yeah, and then we cut away and we'll talk about that later. But so they get um, Cheryl and Trevor's test results back and neither Cheryl nor Trevor have the serial killer gene. Okay. So they're like, okay, so that doesn't stop our hypothesis of it's the gene stopping you from seeing it. Now, why doesn't this stop that hypothesis? Because neither of them have it. Okay. So she saw both of their genes. If Cheryl, for example, had had the serial killer gene, then they'd know that that wasn't the reason why she couldn't see them. Okay. Because she had already seen somebody with the genes aura in the past. Okay. Yeah. That's very confusing for me, I'm going to be honest. Okay. So Drake says that now that we know that, it might fix itself. Mm -hmm. You know, like it might just be a continuation of your powers. It might just get more powerful. Like now you're aware of it, we might be able to use it sort of energy. She also says, um, also, how is living with your boyfriend? Why are you asking that, bestie? And she also says, I've been meaning to ask. So she's been thinking about asking this for a while. And then Betty kind of like looks at her funny. I'm like, they're definitely doing this, right? Like, are you going to let Betty kiss girls? Because I love that. Robin, sit and think about it for a second. Okay. Storytelling wise, what would be the reason that someone would ask Betty about living with Archie? Why would we need the information about what it's like to live with Archie? We already know. We see all the scenes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm. you don't need the information. You don't need Betty's answer. You need the question. Hello. Hmm. We literally like, she, Agent Drake showed up a couple episodes ago. We were like, this woman is so gay. And then they were like, correct. Here you go. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So Alice comes in and yells at Betty for taking away the twins. And Betty tells her that she's not in the right headspace to take care of children. Uh, honestly, I'm going to be honest. Team Betty. Yeah. Um, that, that one's fair. Um, she says, well, I'm their guardian. Betty says there's evil in that house and they shouldn't be there because I don't want them growing up like I did. 
That's a little unfair, but I see Betty's point. Yeah. So because I- from Betty's point of view, Alice let a lot of stuff happen to her. Yeah. I think Alice did her best, but from Betty's point of view, she didn't. Yeah. And so she's like, well, what are you protecting them from me? And Betty kind of is just like, yeah, which yeah. makes Alice really, really upset. A little. So Alice says, and here's where, like, I, I think that, like, the first three lines of Alice's speech, like this part, are fair. Okay. Then the back half, uh-oh. You okay. went, we went too far. Okay. But she says, do you care about people's feelings? Do you even have feelings yourself? Everything I did for you was never enough for you. And that is kind of fair. That's fair. You always have to make up villains to to make up for what's wrong with you, but maybe you're the villain. Okay, and that's where she lost me. There were no made-up villains in Betty's mm-hmm. life. Her dad was a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Her dad was a serial killer. I guess, but, like, so then blame him. Like, she blames, like, and I, you know, like I said, I understand, and we're also biased because we love Alice. Yeah, we're Machen apologists. So, like, okay, but I do kind of agree that she's constantly like, this is bad, um, and she needs somebody to blame for things that are bad. Oh, yeah. You know, and she's constantly blaming people, if, if even if they aren't at fault, you know? So she says, maybe you're the villain. Stop looking for monsters under the bed. Maybe you should check the mirror. Which is dope, because then at the end of the episode, she checks the mirror and sees an aura around herself, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then we see that Alice has an aura, and that was an interesting choice for me, because... First of all, it tells us that she, either the blind spot thing wasn't about the gene at all, or like Drake said, it has now developed so that she can see auras around people with the gene. I think it's that one. Yeah. But also, I don't think Alice was ever going to like actually hurt Betty or anything. She's just mad. I think Alice is a threat to Betty in that Alice is emotionally volatile. Right. Especially because she's under Percival's control, but also because Alice has always been emotionally volatile. I guess one of the other things that kind of sucks about Betty's power is that like threatening or like hostile what does that even mean you know I think threatening is basically in this case that Alice is a threat to Betty's emotional well-being yeah and it, it is helpful with Frank later because you know we think that he's nice but he's actually bad yeah right but like in the instance where somebody you know is mad and then has an aura it's like okay well I already know they're mad because I'm looking straight at them and their eyebrows are are in an angry way mm-hmm. you know it's probably a red herring yeah but I I think it's meant to convey one um, Alice is emotionally volatile and two that she's under Percival's control mm-hmm. but like how does one know if they're going to attack me or if they're just pissed off I think that's probably Betty's next lesson. Yeah, true. Right. So then Alice said, definitely goes too far and says, you have always been a bad person and I hope that you're never a mother so you never have to go through what I go through. Absolutely horrifying thing to say to your child. That's way too far. I have no apologies for this one. Yeah, that that one's too far. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't agree with that one. Sorry. Sorry, Alice. Yeah. Love you, you, but- You hate to see a good milf fall like that. So true. So Tabitha asks Archie if they can set up the diner at the El Royale so that the ghosts have somewhere to go. This is after the ghost scene that has happened in in the other storyline. And my thing with this is, is there not a Pops at the Babylonium? Yeah, but it's a replica. It's not the original. I guess, but then neither, right, they don't have like all their stuff, you mean? Like they don't have like the booths that are actually from, all right, all right, that's fair. I was just like, if they had to move, couldn't they just move to this other Pops? But yeah, that's that's fair. And Archie says, yes, that's fine. And Tabitha says, uh, it might be haunted, though. And Archie says, well, I'm not scared of ghosts, so that's fine. And Frank says, I'm not scared of ghosts either. I looked at the picture that you gave me, and you're right. Let's do this for Fred. 
I'm going to call in sick from Percival and help you. Hmm. Boy, do you think he means it? No. Well, <laughs> I, well I know that he doesn't, but I did want to say that uh, Frank is quite a good actor because um, he, I believe I believed him. him. Yeah. Not that Ryan Robbins is, is a good actor, which he is, but I mean that Frank is a good actor. You know, yeah. it's the character who's acting. Yeah. So um, Archie talks to Betty and says that there's hope for Alice if um, it worked for Frank, which is too bad because we actually know that it didn't work for exactly. Frank. Exactly. Um, so they're going to finish it all up tomorrow. And Betty says that she's going to come and help out, which is nice. Yeah. The next morning, everything is already outside. So the ghosts once again moved everything for them. But they I couldn't. that's really cute. But they couldn't put it in the truck this time. So they were able to unlock the truck the first time to get everything out. But they couldn't unlock the truck to get it back in. Yeah. I guess. We don't know how ghost logic works. So they're like, okay, everybody, let's load the truck and head to the El Royale. Okay. Sure. So what I assume is a couple hours later, Betty shows up and basically all the work is done. So she's like, oh, I don't even have to do anything. She goes and talks to Frank, who has an aura around it. Betty immediately goes to tell Archie about mm-hmm. that. So then Archie comes back out and stops Frank and says, were you just going to drive this whole ass truck into Sweetwater River? And there's no way Betty could have been able to tell that part of the plan. So I guess Archie just guessed. And Frank yeah. was like, how did you know? No, he did, though, because then Archie follows it up and says, or yeah. other oh, things. Oh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He follows it up and says, or were you going to do this? Right, so, right, 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 yeah. right. And so Frank's like, okay, well, don't cross me because I have palladium. And Archie says, okay, try it. It's um really embarrassing. Yeah. And so I'm going to be honest. Frank punches Archie in the face and hurts his hand punching him because Archie is now forged by fire, you see. It's very embarrassing. And Archie's like, tell Percival that the battle is on. And I'm sad because I love Frank. It's the final yeah. battle. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. Is that copy copy written? I was like, a good thing we're not on YouTube so we can't get demonetized for that. It's a cover. So they go to the El Royale and Pops is all set up there. And um, yeah, like I said earlier, are we actually going to lose that Pops location? Because I'm going to be really sad Um, if we do. Maybe. Pop comes in and he says he loves it so much. And they're like, yes. Thank you so much once again to Benjamin Moore Payne. Oh my god, it was so good. We love you, Benjamin. <laughs> they are really going for the sponsorships, yeah. huh? All right, take it. Get your get your coin. I don't care. So then tap the checks. The ghosts are still here, so we're good on that. And Pop is also there while she's standing and talking about ghosts. And Pop's like, uh-huh, okay. Ooh, yeah, sure. sure. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So back at Tony and Fangs' house, uh, Tony made dinner for Fangs because she wants to apologize. She says she hasn't had enough faith in him and she should have, like, trusted him with the amount of money he was getting from Percival or whatever. And she says, I've always been independent, but now we need to be equals. We need to be a team. And she says, maybe we could get married. Okay. I will say when she started doing this, I immediately screamed, oh my God, she's going to propose. And then everyone else had to sit there and then watch it happen because I guessed it first. And um, first of all, good for me. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I loved this until yeah. she said to the, what's her face? Yeah. So there's a, there's a quick flashback here where she's talking to Ms. Weiss and she says, Weiss basically says it might help if you guys are like very united because uh, the court sees them as a really stable, happy couple. And so that might help. And, but I do hope that Tony is doing it because she loves him also. I, yeah, I also hope that because they're such a good little ship. That was such a shitty line to throw in. Yeah. And she does it so sweetly too. Like she, she asks him in such like a, it's just such a sweet moment. And I appreciate, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that since they're a queer couple, mm-hmm. 
At no point was Fangs like, oh, it's weird that you're proposing to me. Yeah. He, she, he was just like, oh, this you're is You're right. Really this cute. is another thing with the gender roles thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's really cute. That's what I really like about this relationship. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, mm. but there are some really fun subversions happening here yeah. with their gender roles. Yeah. So obviously Tony doesn't tell Fangs that Ms. Weiss said that. Um, and she proposes to him, which is really beautiful. And I love it, but uh, we cut away before we know his answer. And that terrifies me that he will... I don't want him to say no. I don't think he's going to say no. I think we're going to cut to like some kind of party. Like I care more about this than I did about the Betty and Archie are they pregnant thing. Oh my God, way more. Yeah. So lastly, in the last scene, Betty is talking to Drake again. She says, we must be wrong about the gene because she saw one on Alice who has the gene. And, you know, like I said, Drake says maybe the trauma is expanding your ability or whatever. Yeah, like when they literally explained at the beginning of this storyline, oh, let's see what it is so you can learn to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And then Betty's like, oh my god, I overcame it. There must be something wrong. We must have been wrong. Yeah. No, you were no, right. I overcame it. You're an idiot. And so she's like, well, I also saw another person who has the gene. She saw it in a mirror, but she doesn't know who she herself is a threat to. Is she a threat to herself? Is she a threat to others, like the people around her? Or is she a threat to people she loves? Ooh. So oh, now is she going to no. see an aura around herself every time she looks in the mirror? That'd be so annoying. That make doing your makeup really difficult. Yeah, true. She'd be like, I can't get the lighting right. I don't know. I don't think Betty is a threat to anyone. Yeah. Except Percival. Maybe she's perceiving threats to Percival. She's a Percival. She's a uh, threat to TBK. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to go into segments. Uh, my first segment is which character needs a hug the most? Honestly, um, Tabitha. You think? Just because she saw some ghosts? She had to t- no, she had to take the whole diner down. That must have really sucked for her. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give one to Pop. Ooh, Pop. Yes, yeah. that's the right answer. And my segment is, which MILF was the most badass? Tony. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what is Sam shipping the most? Okay. That was homophobic. That literally was. Uh, what is Sam shipping the most? Sam says that she is shipping the most. Betty and, uh, Agent Drake, obviously. I'm also shipping that the most. Which is ship name... Break? Yeah, Sam decided their ship name is Break. Okay. As Do some- you also ship that? Yeah. Okay, great. Whole apartment ships it. As somebody who has shipped multiple ships in which the ship name is just an, an, a, word. a word, it's hard. I hope that we find something better. <laughs> but I also don't think there is anything better. On, I still wouldn't wish the ship name Phallus on anyone. Yeah, exactly. That was horrible. Yeah. Uh, is Chip dead or what? I don't know. Is Hiram dead? I also don't. Absolutely not, no. And now it's time for my best line award. My best line award goes to Veronica for... You are so unburdened by intelligence or reason, I'm almost in awe. Which is, like I said, mean, but being unburdened by intelligence is very funny to me. Uh, I am also unburdened by intelligence. Yeah, classic. Just kidding, I am burdened with glorious intelligence. Mm. Uh, As for the trailer, uh, the blurb for next episode goes like this. Know thy enemy. Oh, God. After learning that Percival is exploiting his new work crew, Archie and Tabitha devise a plan to help protect the workers and get them out from under Percival's control. Meanwhile, Jughead finds himself with a target on his back after Percival catches wind of a scheme he and Veronica hatched against Reggie. Finally, Betty receives some unexpected news about a dark moment from her past. What else is new? And Tony and Fangs find themselves at a crossroads. Oh, no! Okay, so Fangs doesn't want to get married, I guess. Yeah. Oh, sad. So in the trailer, Jughead's continuing to do his show. He says, I see something through the fog, which is something that he said in the show this episode. Mm -hmm. And we see like, it's like faces, like screaming faces jutting out of like plastic. It kind of reminds, I haven't seen Star Wars, but it kind of reminded me of that. Oh, of Han and Carbonite. Yeah. I I can see that. It kind of looked like that. 
Um, we see Betty looking through blinds saying, oh my God, Archie says Riverdale is at a crossroads and we see him standing on the train track. Tony yells at Kevin and says, you will never be his father and kind of like attacks him, which I respect. Um, Sorry that you suck now, Kevin. Yeah. Veronica says about Jughead, please, no heckling, like while they're trying to do the show. Mm -hmm. Jughead like flinches like someone threw something, but I don't see anything. They might have though. And then Jughead's walking into another mind palace, but it's like a doorway this time and there are pictures on it and I thought maybe it could be Tabitha's. Ooh. But it seems like Tabitha is in a different storyline, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. It could be Veronica. Maybe, maybe he went into, it looked like a woman in the pictures, so... I wonder if maybe Veronica has him go into her own mind or something. I don't know. That would be weird. I wonder, like, imagine Veronica being like, okay, can you also take away the memory from me about the fact that I had my dad killed? Oh, Veronica wants to live a life free of guilt. Yeah. She's (laughs) like, I don't actually want to know that. That actually sounds like Ronnie. Yeah. And then Percival says, Mr. Jones, you are really not going to like what comes next. Okay. Okay. Get a job. Um, uh, I did want to say real quick before we go into the outro that as of the, let me check one more time. I did check this morning, but yeah. Um, as of the recording of this podcast, we don't know if the American Psycho episode, which is supposed to come out after next episode, is if there's a hiatus or not. We usually know a couple episodes in advance, uh, but we don't, I don't, I have no idea when the next episode after next episode comes out. No. I tried to, because every musical episode, I try and like go and do research on the musical. Uh, I went to school for theater, so it's kind of my job. What? But uh, there is no official bootleg of it. And so I, and also we haven't gotten any hiatus, so I don't freaking have time and I don't want to. (laughs) I, what we did discover is the cast recording Robin found. Mm -hmm. Has Matt Smith in it? Yeah, Matt Smith is playing the main character. I'm really excited by that. I love him. I know that it's obvious. That's like doctor. It's clear why they chose this musical because um, Rass wrote the book for it, which like he didn't write the book American Psycho, which was written by Brett. He wrote the playbook? (laughs) He wrote the playbook. So he wrote the, he wrote the dialogue. Um, um what? Oh yeah. my God. Is he finally making his Jarchi event right. agenda more obvious? But when I was looking at the musical, I was just like, who decided to make this book into a musical? Uh, someone who's really funny. Like, it's so far from a musical. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, yeah, I can't like, it's say, but. It's like turning Carrie into a musical. It's so yeah. wrong, it's right. Yeah, I guess so. But, um, yeah. So I don't know much about this musical. Uh, I think Brittany and Sam were hoping to watch the movie ahead of time. Yeah, it's but, one of those rare classic yeah. horror movies I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really want to watch it. Yeah, it's once again just a spooky thing where a bunch of people get murdered in the in the show. It's called a slasher. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you so much to Sam for hanging out while we recorded this pod. Hey, wifey. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. Guys, I stumbled my way through that one, but That's please right. do it. Um, Or wherever you listen to this it's not on itunes itunes doesn't exist anymore wherever you're listening to this please leave us a review if that's possible i think there are somewhere that's not even possible but but. if you don't want to i also get it yeah yeah uh if you're a fan of the hundred we talk about that show too um we did seasons uh four to seven as they aired and now we're going back to the good old days uh starting with season one and ending or starting with season three and ending with season one i am not there because i barely survived that show okay yeah if you're a fan of stranger things we like to talk about that show too it is so close to coming out now Mm -hmm. guys like it's literally days away the day that this episode comes out it's stranger out. things about so yeah. um listen i appreciate if you're listening to this but 
You should be watching Stranger Things. It's okay Things. if you were, you're watching Stranger Things. Yeah, go for it. We're going to be posting our uh, thoughts on each uh, episode. Yeah, like just like a short, little snippets, short little, yeah. yeah. Um, so that'll come out uh, within the next couple weeks. Here. So go follow our Stranger Things feed and listen to our Stranger Things pod because it's actually really fun. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, if you're a fan of Lost, we talk about that show too. We are uh, almost on season three. It's our longest, most big brain podcast. And uh, we have guests over there, and there's a spoiler section at the end. So um, if you are, uh, want to wa- uh, listen along for the first time that you watched, that would be amazing. I would be so happy. And, like, we, like listen, Trisha Paytas tweeted, and she was, like, talking about loss, and she replies to her tweets. Mm-hmm. So I have asked Trisha to come on the Lost podcast. So, like, hey, if hell freezes over, Trisha Paytas could be telling us about loss. <laughs> yeah. You can follow the fiction autos on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebelable, YouTube, but mostly Twitter, and Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on tumblr i need to take out half of that list you, you can know? follow the aficionados on twitter and tumblr mm-hmm. <laughs> we sometimes fo- post on instagram but not that but that's it our patreon like i said earlier is patreon.com slash the aficionados if you like what we do here please consider donating it is expensive it is free for you to listen to but it's not free to make and we put a lot of work into it and so we really appreciate it you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere and you can follow me on twitter at britannia which is b-r-i-t-t-a-n-i-a with an underscore at the end I'm uh, so sorry, guys. My cat farted. Let's just <laughs> let's just say what happened here. He's losing her mind. I'm losing my mind right now because my cat farted. Oh my god. <laughs> um, the next episode is episode six sixteen. It is called Blue Collar, which is a 1978 American crime drama film directed by Paul Schrader in his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. The film is both a critique of union practices and an examination of life in a working class Rust Belt enclave. Um, and may I just say, uh, may I take this moment to say. Unions are awesome. Join yours if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the episode after that is meant to be the musical episode, but uh, I'm not sure if it doesn't say. Usually they tell us, but they haven't told me yet. So. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.